Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible-Centered Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Bible-Centered with Victor Jackson. I want to thank each of you for tuning in, and I pray that the series on Matthew has been a blessing to you. Listen, uh, what a privilege it is to stand before you every day and give you the word of God. Line upon line, here a little, there a little. I'm so thankful for God's word. It has revolutionized my life. Uh, Why do I love teaching the word going verse by verse, expository teaching, expository preaching? Because I understand that the word of God transformed my life. When it took me from the bottom with no help, with no hope in God's word and his spirit put me back together again. I am here because of the word of God. As a matter of fact, um, it is my journey to the Lord is very unique the types of strings that he had to pull to get me into his kingdom and i'm sure the same could be said for you and i'm so thankful that god kept reaching for me and i'm just blessed i'm just grateful listen i'm grateful to have the opportunity to talk to you and uh, all of those that have been tuning in over a hundred nations have been tuning in um, to Bible centered with Victor Jackson. And I do this for you guys. I do this because I I enjoy it. I enjoy what I do. I'm I'm always excited. Anyone that's ever been in a conversation with me uh, knows that I'm probably going to get into the word because I love the word. It's just so relevant to our lives. And I think that's what's important about this podcast is the understanding that God's word is not this abstract thing that that cannot be understood or only a select few can understand it. But God gave his word to us that we might understand it, to, to have knowledge of him and, and to obey him. And I want you to know I am privileged for the opportunity to serve you today. And, and to speak with you today. And and I pray that uh, this uh, lesson is a blessing to you. But from the bottom of my heart, I want to tell each and every one of you how much I appreciate you. And thank you for this opportunity to serve you with God's word. So let's get into this. We're in Matthew chapter 7. I'm excited because this is the closing of Jesus' first discourse. He starts off with a bang. I mean, he preaches nonstop uh, from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7. That is a long message, guys. And Matthew is persuading the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. He is highlighting the strong similarities that he has with Moses. And he is not leading them out of Egypt, but he is leading them out of sin. 
and this is an uh uh he's giving the true intentions of the law the law had been corrupted they were using it to their own gain they were using it to their own benefit and it ceased to be about bringing people uh into the presence of god and bringing the presence of god down to people it was more of a ritual it it was more uh liturgy it it was more just routine it it wasn't an alive relationship but if uh, notice at the beginning of matthew's gospel remember 400 years of silence from malachi to matthew 400 years of silence no fresh word no open vision and Matthew starts his gospel not only with the genealogy, but look what he does. He starts showing that Joseph is having dreams. There is a freshness. There is a there is there is a freshness. There there is there is a sensitivity to God's voice. He starts showing that there is supernatural activity that is fresh that is happening that hadn't happened in a very long time. And, and what, what Matthew is showing here is that, that the systems of Judaism that they, had, that they have developed, it, it, it was more so leading to a deadening than something coming alive. And, and, and he is trying to connect them, them with that living spirit uh, away from the the mundane ritual and alive unto a real relationship with God. And he is showing that Jesus is God and that through his sacrifice, we have access like we've never had access before. Where it's not just the high priest that gets to go into his presence, but now it's a kingdom of priests. All of us can enter into his presence. And Matthew is is showing this masterfully. And so we we talked about being intentional, how he is introducing a concept of the kingdom that you have to you have to find the narrow way. It's not given to you, it's not handed to you, it's not inherited. You have to find it. Because when you don't by discipline and structure, find that way. You will drift naturally. The flesh will drift naturally to the broad way. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out devils in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And when 
And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of lawlessness. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Last scripture, oh, verse 28 and 29, last scriptures. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Wow. I, I want to talk about this because he makes many allusions to this in Matthew. One of the things that Jesus condemned is people holding his law in lawless hands. That's one of the most damaging things to the kingdom. When God's pure word is in the hands of the corrupted, it's dangerous. People can do a lot of kingdom damage when they do not have a life that backs up the message they are carrying. Oh, I'm, I'm excited to get into this. This is so important. This is so important. Because he warns the disciples later, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He said the, the leaven, the, the, the problem with the Pharisees, he says, do what they say, just don't do what they do. Do what they say, just don't live by their example, because they say and do not. And isn't that the problem with a lot of Christianity? People are getting tired of people saying the right things, but not doing the right things. And then when they don't do the right things, everyone expects it to be covered and nothing's happening here. No, just be spiritual. No, just hear what they have. No, 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 no. I'm supposed to look at their fruit. Spiritual gifts are a sign of spiritual hunger. Spiritual fruit is a sign of maturity. We need both, but you shall know them by their fruit, not by their gifts. I don't care how much gift of discernment you have. My question is, do you love your spouse? Uh, I'm not concerned with the gift of faith and how many miracles have happened, my, my issue is, are you stealing from people? Because no matter how much gifts flow out of you, if the fruit is rotten, God said you're false. And, and the world and the church is not ignoring any longer people's fruit. You can call fire down from heaven 
but it will never justify how you treat your spouse and how you treat your kids. Because how you treat your family is more important than the miracles that are flowing out of your ministry. Oh, we're going to talk today. We're, we're talking about bearing good fruit and, and, and bearing bad fruit. Because everyone wants to be a prophet. They want the prophet's words, but they don't want the prophet's life. And, and there are false prophets that are speaking well and, and prophesying and doing this and doing that and doing that, but living in fornication and living in sin and, 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 and stealing money and, and betraying people and trying to destroy people and they're backbiters and they're gossipers. And, uh, and they say, well, well, don't worry about that. At least hear what I'm saying. No, what you're doing is drowning out what you're saying. Your bad fruit is not allowing me to hear your good words. And, and, and when you're hearing good words coming out of a vessel that is tainted and corrupt, it does damage to the kingdom. I wish there was an amen button on the podcast. I wish somebody could type an amen, send the amen. I, I, wish, I wish I could hear somebody out there right now that says we're tired of the games, we're tired of the false, we're tired of the falsehoods, we're tired of the manipulation, we're tired of the good chatting, we're tired of overlooking bad fruit because Jesus said you're going to know them by their fruits. And the problem is this person is speaking well, but I'm, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing them uh, the lives that are coming out of their ministry, they're corrupted, they're, they're not living right, they're not living out the teachings, and sometimes people aren't living out the teachings because the example that is preaching the teachings, they're not living the teachings. How, what a paradox that is. When someone is telling you how to live, but they themselves won't do it, and when you bring it up to them, you're shunned or isolated or considered a devil or Jezebel because you point out the hypocrisy. The world and the church is tired of it. Give me somebody that wants to live right. Come on. I, I feel the Holy Ghost talking already. Give me somebody that is wanting to treat people right, that in the pulpit and outside of the pulpit in their ministry and outside of their ministry. I give me somebody that treats the homeless person the same way they would treat a CEO with respect. Give me somebody that respects their wife and respects their husband. Give me somebody that nurtures and loves and protects their kids. Give me somebody that is striving to live the master's teachings because when they're not willing to live it, he said, they're false. Look at their fruit. He said, verse 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are uh, ravening 
wolves. He said, beware, because there's going to be people that are going to say a lot of good things. And, and, they, and they look like they're innocent. And they look like, oh, I don't want anything. Oh, I don't want anything out of you. Oh, 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 oh by, by the way, I'm, I'm you know, I, I need this. Oh, I'm behind on this. Oh, oh I, I need that. I, I, and they always have an issue where they need some money. And they always lean on, 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 on your shoulder to get it from you. And they come with pure, uh, uh, with, with the appearance of purity, but inside they're trying to devour you and your house and then move on to the next. It's talking about ministry. People that will put on a that will use purity as a as a as a guise and a cover with the left hand and and try to take from you with the right hand. And it, you will know if they are a true prophet when you look at their fruits. What's coming out of them? Is there love? Is there the fruit of the spirit? Is there temperance? How do, how do they speak? What type of ministry is coming out? Is that ministry productive? What ministers are coming out of their ministry? Are, are, are they loving and are they productive? Are, are they taking advantage of people as well? And are, are they conning people? That, that's important because this is what that corrupt religious system was doing. In Jesus' day. And there's a concept that 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 I want you to get with the contrast with Jesus and and the religious system of his day. When a rabbi started teaching, the, the people would gather to synagogues and to rabbis to gather to hear the teacher. And so these teachers would start getting these crowds because of their teaching style. And so the success of the synagogue was predicated on the interpretation of the teacher. And so in the synagogue era, the, the, the teacher was, was at, at the center. Now, when Jesus... Jesus um, dies, he's buried, he rises again, and he ascends into heaven. And then his spirit comes down, the spirit of Christ comes down in Acts 2. Watch this. When it comes down in Acts 2, the disciples are now left to start churches. But the issue, the difference between the Judaism custom and what they're doing is when they start churches, they have been instructed to not allow themselves to become the center. I'm going to help somebody. I am going to help somebody. Now they're to build churches where their individuality, their uniqueness is not at the center because if they are at the center, they could never leave that church and go plant another church, the Pauls and the Peters 
they they can't they they would have to stay there and that's what these rabbis would do they would stay in a place and they would teach but but the disciples were in, in, instructed to preach the gospel to all the world and so they could not allow themselves to be the center of the mission my goodness they preached jesus so much that Jesus was at the center, that even when they put someone else over that particular space, they were able to go and plant another church and the and the previous church not suffer because their, their personality was not at the center. Jesus was at the center. My God. And as long as Jesus is at the center, who is alive and well, his presence is alive and well. The spirit is alive and well. And as long as that, as long as the church is presence focused, it, it will not be swayed by personality or any sort of that. As long as he is at the center, Everything's going to be okay, and the, the and the church is going to grow. And so, when you see in the New Testament, the churches were not personality driven or personality focused; they were presence driven. Everything was about their his presence. So, if Paul had to go on a missionary journey, they they yes, they wanted him to stay, but they knew the church would go on without him because he they understood that the kingdom cannot be built by man's hands. The kingdom cannot be built by man's personality. The kingdom cannot be built by man's intellect. The kingdom cannot be built by man's programs or man's methods. The kingdom can only be built by the presence of God and by the word of God. And those two things took center place in every church. Therefore, it was able to thrive. And many churches were able to be planted because it was less personality-driven and more presence-driven. The Jewish synagogues, it was very much personality-driven. Oh, my goodness. I'm talking, that's why they were jealous when the crowds were leaving them and going to Jesus into the desert and into by the beach and by the shore. They were jealous because they, they felt that it was an affront on their personality that the crowds were leaving them and going to him. Oh my word. But let me tell you something. Uh, Jesus has to be at the center of everything that we do, of every church service, of every prayer meeting, of every ministry in the Sunday school department, with the kids, with the choir, come on somebody with the preaching. Jesus has to be at the center. He has to be at the center. It's the only way the church will grow. The Lord adds to the church daily, not our program. But what God is looking for is people that his presence can flow through that are producing good fruit. Someone that is producing good fruit is someone that is yielded to his presence. Someone that is producing bad fruit is someone that is yielded to their flesh. 
I'm telling you, of the flesh, we're going to reap corruption, but of the spirit, we're going to reap eternal life. We have to live in the spirit. We have to walk in the spirit. We have to talk in the spirit. We have to move in the spirit. We have to work in the spirit. We have to labor with God. And that's what I loved about the New Testament. It says that he worked with them, confirming his word with signs following. They didn't work for him. They worked with him. They didn't work for God. They worked with God. See, they didn't just start building different things with their own hands, except the Lord built the house. They labor in vain that build it. They understood in order to build properly, this is a kingdom principle. His presence has to be at the center. It has to be every with every fiber of our being. It is the fabric. It is, it is interwoven into the success of the church. It is, it is the, the, the brick and the mortar that, that keeps a church together. It cannot be our personality and how well we connect with people. Somewhere people have got to find God in our sanctuaries and try to find God in the flesh will not suffice. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. clothing. They look innocent, but inwardly there are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Look at the fruit. That's how you're going to know if they're true or false. Look at their fruit. And people that are walking in truth, they're not afraid for you to inspect their fruit. And and I and and I ask every one of you, don't 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 only just listen to what I say. Also look at my life. Inspect my fruit. Truth is not afraid to be investigated. Because you have a right to search the scriptures, and you have a right to see is the messenger living the message. Because that's what brings power to a message. And a teacher that runs from the light is hiding something. But a teacher that stands in the light and allows you to inspect, that's a teacher that can be trusted. Everybody, you should be looking at their fruit. No matter how long they've been in ministry or how short, look at their fruit. No matter if they're your dad, uh, your, 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 your friend, no matter if they're a relative, look at the fruit because the fruit will inform if they are living what they're speaking or not. That is the responsibility of ministry. Amen. That is the responsibility of ministry. One of the sins of Jeroboam in the Old Testament was that he was just making anybody a preacher. He was making anybody a Levite. He was letting anybody come into the tabernacle and serve without any qualifications. He was just letting anybody. And the Bible called it a sin. He said, these are the sins of Jeroboam. They didn't come through the Levitical line. They didn't go through separation. They didn't go through consecration. They didn't go through, uh, they were, their, their ministries hadn't been tried, yet Jeroboam was just throwing people up there into, into the ministry. And God said, this is a sin. 
And so one of the responsibilities and the weight that ministers carry is that our fruit should be inspected. Because what our fruit is what validates our words. Oh, I hope I'm helping. I, I hope I'm helping. I, I, I hope I'm helping. I hope I'm ministering to somebody here. And that's the challenge. We have to live this. We have to have the life. We have to have the application. And it's in the application that brings revelation. God will speak when we obey. He starts giving the revelation, the full revelation of what he said. Many times God gives us the full revelation after our obedience. And so any minister has to live the life. And you know someone's a false prophet if they keep saying all of this stuff for you to do, but they never do it. Amen. Someone has to be an example. I preached on sacrifice. I've, I've preached on sacrifice my, my entire ministry. When God told me to plant a church, I understand the only way to do that is with sacrifice. We sold our home. We put every dime. We, we, we sold our home. It was a beautiful home. We loved our home. It was my wife's dream home. We sold it. And we moved to Orlando. And we had to get into a rental because the homes were high. We got into a rental home three times smaller and paying two times more monthly. And not only that, but we used every dime on, on church equipment, on getting uh, into a community center, booking out several months into a community center, uh, sound equipment, um, uh, promo, uh, so many things that we, we spent money on. And, and it was the best decision we ever made in our lives. And, and we started our service with, with two mics and a guitar. That's how we started our service. And the first four months, we used YouTube karaoke. And we had singers and musicians that were sitting on our pews, but we wanted to send the precedent to the people like, hey, you're not here to just serve us. We're here to serve you. We wanted to be an example of sacrifice. We didn't just want to preach it. We wanted to live it. And we wanted the people to understand and see it that we're just not... We're just not planning a church just to plant a church. Like we really want to help people. We really believe the gospel of Jesus Christ can transform people. We really believe in in this great commission. We really believe in 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 the gospel going to all nations. And so we had to example that to the people. I couldn't just preach that. We from the community center we got into a lease, and we were able to get into that lease because of. We hadn't touched anything uh, in the church. The money was just 
uh, there and we because we wanted to get in a position to get into a lease and we were a young church and it's difficult to get into a lease when you're only four months old. But we were able to get into a lease because they saw the consistency in the in the account. We our when we sold our home, that was the base of everything that we did at our church. We were able to get into a lease. We got into a lease. I would, I would, I would go and 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 speak in the summer. And every dime I came back, bought a soundboard, bought a better better soundboard. We go preach. Came back, brought a brought a better uh better monitor. Preached. Come back, got more equipment. I, every dime that as I was speaking, it it went into church equipment. It went into renovating that lease. We had to tent the doors. Uh, we had to. Uh, I mean, there were holes everywhere. We had to paint. We had to fix. We had to do so much into this place. We had to get new carpet. We had to do all these things. But all of this was coming out of a life of sacrifice. And the church watched me lead the charge with that sacrifice. Because I'm not, I'm not a leader that leads from behind and puts the people forward. I'm a leader that leads from the front. Put me on the front lines and follow me. I got a sword in my hand. I got a shield. Let me show you how to defeat a giant. Because the people won't listen if somebody's not living. Okay, so we're in this lease. We, we start outgrowing that facility. And I told the church, hey, we're going to have to do something because we've outgrown this facility. So I said, we're going to have to get into the high school, 850 uh, two-seat auditorium. We're going to have to go there. And I said that we'll we'll turn this into a family life center. I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm almost finished writing a book and uh, the proceeds from that book is going to go towards the lease, and it's going to help us. And I told the church, that's what I plan on doing. That's exactly what I did. Our first check of royalties came in. Every dime went to our lease. I did a, I did a book signing. Uh, every, every dime from the book it's been going to our lease. It's been putting our church in a better position. No, do I have to do that? No, I don't have to do that. But let me tell you, I believe in the concept of sacrifice. And I have to live it if my message is going to carry any weight. And the problem with false prophets is that they speak it, but they don't live it. And so they don't have the power to implement it into the souls of another individual because it cannot be implemented by just word only. It has to be implemented with a life. Jesus showed us this. He could not change the world with his words, so he had to change the world with his wound. The whole Old Testament is God speaking, but no lives are changing. 613 laws of speaking, yet no lives changing. Life will not be changed until somebody gets on a cross. Come on, somebody. Until somebody lives out for 33 years how to live kingdom and die for kingdom 
That's when we get transformation. I, who's dying out there? Paul said, I die daily. That's what he said. He said, death works in us that life may work in you. He said, I, I, he said for thy sake, are, are we, are we like, like sheep that are, that are slaughtered like all the day long? Oh my goodness. Somebody has to take up a cross and follow him. Somebody can't just talk about fasting. I need somebody that's losing weight because they're fasting. We can't just talk about prayer. I need, I need to see my pastor, my, my preacher, this man of God, this woman of God. I need to see them showing up to prayer meeting and praying sometimes. I, I, oh my goodness. I, I can't just, I, we can't just talk about it. We have to live it. I preached a message years ago called a call to greatness where I said, man measures greatness by what he builds and what he gains. But God measures greatness by what you leave behind and what you sacrifice. And, and there were people that thought I was just preaching and that was just a good message. No, that's coming from a life. That's a life of sacrifice. It's the only way my words carry weight. It's the only way that can transform uh, souls. It's not just with what I am saying, but it is how I am living. There has to be fruit that comes out. And fruit came out. Thousands of people around the world we're giving up basketball scholarships and golf scholarships and wrestling scholarships and, and football scholarships. And people were giving up all types of things. I've just heard from a man that said they, after that service, they went and wrote a check to a missionary for $250,000, a quarter of a million dollars to a missionary because they didn't want to serve God and money. They wanted to show God that it was more about him than anything else. That, my friend, is good fruit. But that doesn't come out of good preaching. That comes out of good living. Anybody that aspires to ministry, I'm asking for you to get your life together so you can live what you're speaking. Oh, I'm going to talk to somebody. I am going to talk to somebody on here. Because we have to produce good fruit. Gifts will inspire, but fruit will transform. I'm going to help now. I, fruit will transform. Gifts will inspire. Gifts inspire. Altars transform. We need transformation but it can't come through word only. It has to come through deed. It can't come through word only. It has to come through application. And when I speak of me with the sacrifices and everything, I want you to understand that that's from a place of excitement and love and gratefulness. And, and I counted all joy. Listen, I'm, it was the best decision I ever made in my life. Any sacrifice ever made, giving up basketball, giving up hundreds of thousands of dollars, giving that up for the kingdom. Listen, that's the best decision I ever made. I've never regretted it. I'm thankful for it. And I don't believe I'm anyone special because I've done this. 
I just want to obey him as, as a simple Christian. That's it. That's it. I'm not worthy to be uh, mentioned with the multitudes that are mentioned in Scripture. The multitudes that were following Jesus, if, if I lived in Jesus' time, no one would know my name. I, I'd just be like multitude number two. <laughs> I'd just be a random person because sacrifice wasn't supernatural in the New Testament. It was just, it was the birthright of every believer. It was normal. You believed in Jesus, you lost everything. You know, you sold your possessions and goods and, and got on a journey following him. That's just kind of what it was. Because sacrifice is so uncommon in this day, it's considered supernatural. Uh, but it was very normal in the New Testament. And so I'm not patting myself on the back for anything I've given to the kingdom, any sacrifice I've made. I understand I'm nothing without Jesus, and I'm just a simple Christian. But I do want to live a life of obedience and a life as an example that if you can't hear my words, I'm asking you to at least hear my life. And if this podcast isn't penetrating your heart uh, with my words, I'm asking for you to at least look at my life. And I pray that'll preach louder than my words. And that's the weight that I carry every day. And I believe that's the weight that every, every pastor, every minister, every, every person that wants to do something for God, I believe that's what they should carry as well. And I believe, I believe some of them do. But it's the life. It's the life that gives value to the message. Not just preaching transformation, but living transformation. I want to live a transformed life. I don't want to just preach prayer or talk about prayer. or, or God, I, I want to live this thing. Because I've got, my son has to see some fruit in his dad. My wife has to see some fruit in her husband. And one thing about it, a lot of people don't know is, you know, whenever me and my wife got married and I got to commend my wife. Um, she's an amazing, amazing person. But um, my wife... Um, when we got married, I, I I told her like, "Hey, babe, uh, my 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 study spot is, is Starbucks, and you know, I I need to spend hours there." And she was like, "Okay, babe, yeah, we understand that." And there would be sometimes I would be at Starbucks studying for ten hours. I'd be ten hours reading through the Bible, studying. And I'd be gone from the house for 10 hours. And every time when I came back, my wife never complained. She never asked, why, why were you gone so long? She never asked any, any of those things. She never made me feel guilty for spending time with God. And because she knew that when I was done with that study, that I would come back with some flowers in my hands that I would come back treating her as a queen with respect, with love, 
with fervor, with virtue. And she understood that how I was treating her was a reflection of my devotion to God. So she would say, yeah, baby, spend as long as you need, as long as you need, because she knew she had a good husband coming back that would example what I had learned. And that's still to this day. I still study at Starbucks. I still go to the church and pray. My wife never has felt bad about it or complained about it because she knew that from what I'm getting in these scriptures in prayer and in devotion and study that I am applying and how I treat my wife and my son and my church and my in-laws as she loves what she sees that is being demonstrated out of my life, the fruit. And my life is preaching in my family. And I commend my wife for that, for allowing me to do that and never let me feel guilty for spending hours away in study because she knows I'm balanced. And that's what she learned from studying and reading the, the balance. She knows I take them on vacation, uh, you know, take them to the resort. My son has a blast. We always have a blast together as a family. We've always been balanced. And so she always knows that when she allows me that time to be with the Lord, that she, all, that she always gets back an even better husband. And it's the same thing on my end. When my wife wants to go and pray and spend time with the Lord, never let her feel guilty. If I have to go, if she has to go spend time with the Lord and and she hasn't, you know, cooked or anything, you, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of the food. Now to all the men listening, when I say take care of the food, that doesn't mean uh, that I'm cooking. <laughs> I cannot cook. I cannot cook. That doesn't mean I'm cooking. I'm not gonna do that. That's a that's too great of a cross for my for my wife to carry. I will not cook, but I will order some food or pick up some food and have it waiting on her. So when she gets back from praying and gets back from spending time with the Lord, she doesn't have to worry about cooking. I already have that uh, taken care of, and that's the way marriage works. And um. It's about producing fruit together and your children seeing that fruit and them exampling that fruit. And it sets a tone in our home. It sets a tone in our church because we're, we're just, we're, we're humans like everyone else, but man, I am on a journey to follow him. And y'all have seen me on this podcast be very vulnerable. Because as Paul said, I glory in my infirmities. I just want y'all to know that that I, I, I'm just like you. I'm a human just like you. I come from messed up stuff just like you. 
But I'm telling you that if we put our hope in his presence, if we put our hope in his word, if we try to, if we try to live this, I'm telling you, you can make a difference in the world. You can make a difference in your family. You can make a difference in your church. You can make a difference in your community. The world is looking for people that actually are living what they're preaching. They're tired of, of, of the mockery, of, of, of just the, the highlights, just the, just you know, we need some reality. We need somebody that's going to live it. Verse 18, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Again, now he gives the eternal destination of those that are having evil deeds and, 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 and those that are having good fruit that stems from his presence. By your by, their fruits you shall know them. Start looking at all the fruit of the, of the people that you're you're listening to. That your children are listening to. Look at their fruit, and fruit. No one should be uh, offended when you look at their fruit. It's just a part of it. Jesus asked us to. The Bible says, "Try the spirits; see that if they be of God." And so, so look at the fruit. Look at everyone's fruit. And that's with everything. That's not just with preaching. That's that's with that's with the, the schools. That's with that's with the media. Look at their fruit. That's with that's what that's what shows. That's with businesses. That's with all of that. That's with business practices and everything. That's not just reserved to ministry. That's just with everybody. Look look at the fruit. The fruit will 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 tell you the story. Right. And that's why people look at that's why people are putting so much stock on reviews now, because reviews show the fruit. So it's like you ever heard somebody say, man, we're going to help you out with this. We're going to help you out with that and that and that and this and that. And you're like, oh, my goodness, this guy sounds good. And then you go look at the reviews of their company and they're all one star reviews. You're like, man, I was interested in what they were saying. They were very persuasive. But when I look at the fruit the fruit, it stands in contradiction with what they're saying. So those reviews have kind of promoted a little bit more accountability. People got to follow through on what they say or they're going to get a bad review. So, so don't, just rev- don't just look at the fruit of ministry. Look at the fruit of everybody. Verse 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, here he's putting the standard together. He said, there's going to be people that confess my name, but never did my will. And Luke says that he that did not know his master's will 
and didn't do it is worthy of few stripes. But he that knew his father's will and prepared not himself is worthy of many stripes. See, one thing, if God told you what to do, you need to do it or you need to start preparing to do it. You need to start preparing to do it and do it. If God says to do something, it's time to start walking in that action and that obedience. Because there's a lot lot of people that are going to say, Lord, Lord, they're going to confess, yes, you know the name, but you never did my will. And then they're going to say, well, listen, we prophesied. Well, hey, man, we had good church. We prophesied. We, we cast out devils and we did many, many, you know, works. But he said, and the problem is that you never had relationship. I never knew you. I never knew you. So you're doing these things not from a pure place. You're doing it from a carnal place. Your works are not coming from my presence, but they're coming from your own humanity and your own agenda. Because the kingdom has to run off of relationship in order for it to be effective. The kingdom has to run off of relationship if it's going to be impactful. And the problem is I never knew you. So you were doing all this stuff on behalf of my name while never spending time with me. And he says, when you don't have relationship at the center of what you do in my kingdom, he said, you're just working iniquity or you are working in lawlessness. You you are doing these good things from a spirit of lawlessness. He said, I never knew you. And I want a relationship with God that is greater than the works that I do for God. Because if I, if I abide in the vine, I will bear forth fruit, much fruit, more fruit, and last of all, remaining fruit. And so the condition is, am I in the vine? I want to be in the vine. That's what we're doing today. That's what we're doing this morning. That's why you're listening. You're taking time to hear God's word to make sure you are rooted in the vine. That's what this series of Matthew is all about. It's bringing people back to what it's all about. It's about knowing him. He is the reward. That's the reward. That's the reward. I get to know him. And so they were doing ministry, not from a place of relationship, but from a place of opportunity and from a place of, of, of a carnal place. And it's, and they're working lawlessness. It has to come from a pure place of relationship and relationship will always lead to obedience. Verse 24, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. 
And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So this was a common thing in, in Galilee, you know, um, even in the hot summer months um, in, in, in Galilee, you know, the, the Sea of Galilee, the sand around it, it would be hard on the surface and it looked solid where that you felt like you can build on it. But the issue is, yes, in one season that looks solid, but in another season when it's raining a lot, it, that it's not hard anymore. And so <clears throat> you had to dig deeper in order to hit rock. So this isn't like a quick thing. This isn't like a quick fix. This isn't, this isn't microwave Christianity. There has to be not just hearing the word, but doing it. Because if I do the word, I'm going to last. That's what he's showing here. And if I don't do the word, I will not last. So when you when you apply the word and you live the word, you are going to endure unto the end. You're, you're going to endure unto the end because you're founded upon the rock. And yes, that takes time and that takes intention and that takes motive and that takes that takes so many important things to dig deeper to hit rock. Just hearing the word, that's it's like a shortcut. You think, no, you have to do it. The only reason that God speaks to us is so that we can act upon what he has spoken. So we have to ask ourselves a convicting question. When's the last time we've acted upon the word? Because the only reason he's speaking is so we can actually do what he's saying. And, and so it's not enough for us to only have an emotional response to the word with tears and, and with joy and with happiness, but it's, act, it's important to actually put it into practice. That's how we're going to last because you're going to see the fruit of that teaching, that that teaching actually works. If I only hear it, I never try it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But if I actually start putting that word to practice in my life, then I get more fruit in understanding, wow, prayer really does work. But you get that by doing it, just not just by knowing it. I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to stand the test of time. When bitterness comes against me, when, when, when unforgiveness comes against me, when all of these things come against me, I want to make sure I have actions of love. I want to make sure I obeyed the scripture where I can survive those winds and not be destroyed. Whether it be temptation, whatever winds are coming your way, when you do these sayings in this book that I'm preaching and teaching to you right now, I'm telling you, you're going to make it. You are going to make it. Oh, man, my word, that feels so good to say. You're going to make it. You will endure until the end. 
Just start putting these things into practice. Put love into practice. So don't just hear it, do it. Love people. Be kind to people. Live the life. Find a place to pray. Find a place to open the Bible. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You got to read through Matthew 7. Thank you for taking time to prioritize God's word in your life. Thank you for taking time. Listen to this podcast. They say, I want to learn and grow in God's word. God is pleased with this. And I'm speaking not just so you learn, but so you can apply. Understanding is critical for application. Right theology will produce right application. So we have to do God's word, not just hear it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You see, he didn't appeal to any rabbi in a previous century. He just exegeted the text. He gave the meaning, the authorial intent of the text, and he exegeted and broke it down to them in a way they never heard before, and he did it with the profound authority. The word of God is powerful. Thank you for reading through the word of God with me today and listening. And I pray that you understood something here. Let's live the life. Let's bear forth good fruit. Right? Let's bear, let's bear forth good fruit. Let's cleave. Let's cleave to God. Let's cleave to what's real. Let's, let's cleave to what's lasting. What a privilege it is to talk to you today. I hope you have an amazing day. I love each and every one of you. I pray that this word has been a blessing. Let's live the life. I want to live the life. That's the challenge. Christianity is so exciting and challenging. You want this challenge. Let's live it. Let's put this into action. Let's love our enemies. Let's let's pray for those that despitefully use us. Let's be meek. Let's let's be poor in spirit. Let's 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 put Jesus' message in Matthew 5 through 7. Let's let's put that to test in our lives and we'll see that it works. Matthew is presenting the, the, the masterful rhetoric of Jesus leading into the miracles. That's what we're going to talk about tomorrow, the miracles that he, he did to showcase his superiority to Moses and that he is God in the flesh. He's not just another prophet, but he's God. Thank you for listening. Share this podcast with someone. Leave us a review. I pray this has been a blessing to you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, For more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson, or you can come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.